If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of in-game live, giving you the edge here on SportsGrid. Jared's over there. I'm over here. You're still in your seat. Thanks for sticking with us for hour number two. You know, Jared, we've been talking a lot about the baseball proposal, the NBA proposal. Um, but, you know, football is king in this country. I know it is on this network. And, you know, I've always said there's the logistical leg, the health leg, the financial leg, and how we figure this out. And we learned some health logistical things about the NFL this week as well. And I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on the impact. You know, the teams announced that, um, or the commissioner announced that teams will not be able to go away from the team facility for training camp. And, you know, like the Cowboys go to Oxnard. A lot of uh, teams take over, you know, universities in the area, that sort of thing, build the camaraderie of training camp. Well, that's not going to be able to happen. And in addition, the joint practices that teams were doing, um, you're not able to do those anymore, obviously, yeah. because of the risk with the pandemic. You know, the... To me, the team facility thing is one thing. The joint practices, Jared, I think this is big. And let me explain why. In recent years, okay, teams have been less and less likely to use their starters in preseason games. Like the Rams have stopped doing this when the McVay, the Bears have stopped under Nagy. Even their starters, even in the quote-unquote week three dress rehearsal, their players aren't playing. And if you ask head coaches, they'll come out and say, they have said, the reason why is be getting, they're, they're getting those reps, they're getting that work in, in the joint practices. The joint practices are the opportunity when they're not, you know, practicing against each other, they get to hit somebody else, and, you know, the big elite quarterbacks, they're playing in those so they don't play 
in week two, quarter number two of preseason. So I think this change, you know, the culture and the fun of putting together people together in camp or what have you is one thing, but teams were more and more relying on the joint practices over preseason. I agree. I'm worried that a big boy is going to go down sometime in preseason as a result of this. I think the joint practices have becoming the soup du jour uh, exactly. of the last few years. Right. It's uh, season it's, zero in a controlled environment. I agree because you get and and I could speak to this personally because I, I played high school football and 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 I and I remember uh, in camp, you know, in, in training camp in our little preseason workouts. Uh, after about six weeks of getting your butt kicked by your all pro, else. yeah, your all county defensive lineman, I'm ready to <laughs> to, to start you know, getting someone else against me. So I, it, it's kind of interesting that it took so long to get to this point, but I do think we're at a point in the NFL where the preseason practices for the players are literally repetitions of what we normally see during the regular season. And we never see joint practices during the regular season for obvious reasons. But during the preseason, I think it does create some interesting opportunities for the coaches yeah. To get a look, it's one thing if you're going and and just put yourself in the mind of a football player for a moment. Let's put yourself in the mind of like let's say like Cam Jordan, a defensive lineman. Sure. You're going up against the same right tackle in practice every day. You're you, yeah. yeah. After a week or two of that, you know yeah. where his first step is going to be. You know what everything, and right. so mentally it's hard to gear up to be in a, an environment in the NFL where it's every snap is like a car accident. It's hard to gear up for that and go through the reps and go through the motions. When you know the right tackle from the other side, you know him, you know his family, you're friends with him, and you know his first step because you've seen it every day in practice right. for three weeks. It, it adds a different element of intensity to the practices that mm -hmm. I think replicates what has been taken out by the lack of contact yes. in the preseason workouts. Exactly. And, and it, it's important. It, it is important. I agree with you. I, when, when, when I was looking at the rules – uh, of how the off camp of the uh, you know the off season camps mm -hmm. were going to be kind of adjudicated that was the the thing that stuck out to me the most hands down and that's the reason why you you've taken out so much contact and so much time during mm -hmm. the off season on the field when you have these joint practices and it's not a coincidence at all Dane that as the level of practice time and contact right. and and drills have gone down yep. the joint practices have gone up that's exactly. not a coincidence Exactly. So when you take that out, I do think it changes. Now, granted, the best coaches will find workarounds and they'll find other ways sure. to get their team ready. Sure. Uh, but I do think it adds an interesting layer as for the reasons we just explained, because mm -hmm. the, 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 the mental side of going up against somebody different, it changes how you go through the motions. Right. And obviously the offseason training camp, it's all going through the motions. But when you go through the motions over uh, against the same guy over and over and over again, yeah. it just slaps differently when you got another guy out there that, oh, my God, I'm going to play this guy in about three mm -hmm. months. I better get, you know, a different so skill set and a different 100%. strength and just a different face, different trash talk happening. Right. And and they got to get that work in, Jared. Right. And you made that point now with the, the practices, with the, you know, collective bargaining agreement, player safety, no two a days, um, you know, the opportunities to get those reps in don't happen. Now with these joint practices taken away, the opportunity to get that level of rep doesn't happen. It's going to have to happen somewhere. It's going to happen in the preseason. That puts people at risk of legitimate injuries. I will tell you right now, there's going to be some time in mid-August, Jared, where we're talking about fantasy football, where somebody goes down because of an injury that happened in like the second quarter of a preseason week two game, and we're going to be like, mm, 
they may not have been still on the field if it was the old way. And that's something to take a look at. Um, we also want to talk about a little bit the Tampa Bay Bucks, one of the teams that have, you know, uh, the most popular teams to talk about because obviously of all their changes. Um, one thing that is changing potentially for them is their personnel groupings. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. I think it's interesting. They're going to have to fit all those tight ends on the roster yeah. onto the field. That's one thing. The other thing that caught my eye is that they were potentially in the market for Devontae Freeman. Now, we've seen a lot of teams, yeah. you know, Freeman's connected to the Eagles, the Seahawks. They all went other directions. What B.A., I think, said was, yeah, we'd be interested in Freeman at the right price. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of people, right? So to me, there's two questions here for Freeman, at least. And we can talk about the personnel groupings also. But for Freeman, for the Freeman side, it's like, will he humble himself? Does he understand what the market yeah. truly is in the same way maybe we've talked about Can't with Jadavion Clowney and others. But what it also says to me that I think is real interesting is that this signals, just like it did with Philly talking to backs, just like it did with Seattle talking to backs, it signals to me that Tampa Bay is still in the market for a running back. So the idea of Keyshawn Vaughn that we talked about, who's, by the way, like the sixth choice for Rookie of the Year, or the idea of love for Rojo and what kind of portion of the pie he can have, that is an evolving topic because it seems like the Bucks are still in the market for additions to their running back room, right? So the Bucks are quickly quickly becoming my favorite in the NFC, my favorite team in the NFC. Overall, um, like to win. Yeah, I think the Niners have the better roster, but I think the Bucks are now being constructed in a way where Tom Brady has no excuse. You are including Drew Brees' comments in your capping, I imagine. Mm, yes and no. I saw you I, on Twitter I, putting I, their I, win total up. <laughs> I, I was I was partly joking. Uh, I don't think it's gonna. I, I don't think the team is gonna turn on him, and we're gonna see all the offensive linemen just Olay and let Drew get knocked out. Uh, that, that would be uh, very drastic. And and at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. They're playing not for Drew. They're playing for their own livelihood. So I think they're gonna continue to play at high levels. Put it on tape. Right now, now, is there a case to be made that there are some non-believers maybe in the Saints locker room now? Sure. And how that plays out on the field, I don't know. Um, but on the other side of that, it's not like Drew has been – I mean, he has been quiet about this relatively well, that's fair, but you like the Bucs. You're growing because yeah, of the Bucs. Yeah, I didn't derail you with the, the Saints. The Bucs uh, are growing on me. They, they really are. And the 12 personnel is the reason why. And I think the Bucs are constructed perfectly for 12 personnel. Uh, first of all, they've got the quarterback on their roster that literally revolutionized that position. So for those that don't know, 12 personnel, one one tight end, exactly. one wide receiver on equal sides. Quarterback in the shotgun, the running back will slide depending on protection at the quarterback's discretion. So the offensive line slides to the right, then the running back will be on the ends and the number of so like running backs right, that are personnel. on. Right. Yes, yeah, correct. 13 personnel is one running back, three tight ends. Uh, I think we're going to see some of that because if you look at the Bucks depth chart, uh, Cameron Bray Howard at last check. Yeah, There's but also think about Cameron Bray as the yeah. third tight end could yeah. be a starter on some teams, I would say. Yeah. So uh, Bray's had some really positive situations in the past, and now you add Gronk to the mix. And 12 personnel suits Tom Brady so well because he can then look at the defense yeah. – Basically pick one side of the field right. and then target his tight end to yep. be the focal point of that route tree. And and Tom's so good at that to begin with. And this is a Bucks team that did not run a lot of 12 personnel last season. They ran a lot of 11 personnel. Even though they had the tight ends on the roster who could have done it. But they didn't. They ran a lot of three wide receiver based formations uh, with Paraman, 
and with Godwin and Evans. And that's the part of this we're not even talking about. We're focused so much on the tight ends. Oh, by the way, your wide receivers here are Chris Godwin, who arguably is the most underrated receiver in the NFL, according to the analytics, and Mike Evans, who's been a perennial pro bowler and a thousand yard receiver for the last, I don't know, five seasons. So, you know, you've got the weapons now to succeed. You've got the mind in Bruce Arians to, to craft it together. And you've got the precision quarterback. And that's why this would have never worked with Jameis Winston. 12 personnel, obviously the quarterback's the trigger man with everything, but 12 personnel is the quarterback's brain as the essential trigger. You're basically cutting the field in half, in half and half you're reading reads, yeah. the strong safety and which side he's on. So the strong the safety read from that, yep, from that side of the Yeah, field. if the strong safety is crashing the line of scrimmage, then you've got a mismatch with your best tight end arguably on a, a weaker second, a weaker pass defender and a strong safety. And they started doing this, remember, when they had the personnel to do it in New England with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron the Aaron Murderer Hernandez. Hernandez. That's where it works out, right? Because then that is a mismatch either way you go, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, sure, I'll take Hernandez singled up or sure, I'll take Gronk singled up. And they can do that in Tampa. We've had this essential question, Jared, right? Will this offense look like a Bruce Arians? offense or will it look like a Tom Brady offense and this is a clue right I think this is the not only the clue I think this is Colonel Mustard yeah (laughs) Colonel Mustard in the library with the The candles I mean I I think it's pretty obvious that the the offense for the for the Bucks this season is going to look a lot like those 2008 2009 2010 Patriot teams that were gashing teams left and right on offense and here's the difference there was no Chris Godwin or Mike Evans on those teams. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. They had up in a lot of ways. They had a significantly depleted wide receiving core yeah. compared to what the Bucs yeah. are going to roll out there. So this is setting up to me as the storyline in the NFC South. Whereas I think the Breeze stuff will get will get dismissed. He's apologized. Mike Thomas has said it's cool. Everyone's good. Let's move on. And we should move on because Drew just put his foot in his mouth. What he said was not like totally blasphemous. He just picked the wrong time to say something he probably shouldn't have said. Whereas to me, the big the big storyline in the NFC or the in the NFC South is how the Bucks offense adapts to what I think could be the most dangerous offense in the NFL next season with mm. the trigger man they have and the weapons they have. And now you put Tom in a very comfortable offense, base personnel, two tight ends, two receivers, and we'll see if Devontae Freeman's that running back. Sky's the limit in Tampa. Yep, I think definitely something to watch, but Tom Brady will have his say. When we come back, I'll give you an update on what I think could be one of the growing offenses in the AFC. Come back and find out who I'm talking about and the trigger man there when we come back. It's in-game live. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, everybody. In-game, live right here on Sports Grid, putting the fun in functional sports content with Dane and Jared. I teased you guys before the break saying an offense that I think can take a step forward in the AFC. And, you know, Jared, we've had this narrative before, right? I believe that a, one of the biggest moves of the offseason was the Browns hiring Stefanski as their new head coach and cutting ties with Freddie Kitchens. It seems like you know, an adult in the room, maybe culture change. I like them building in the right way, you know, signing Conklin on the offensive line, drafting, I believe it was Wills, the offensive lineman, prioritizing that, right? Miles Garrett with a bone to pick. A lot of people with a bone to pick on that offense. Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt. Hey, when you look at their wideouts, their running backs, Nick Chubb, my pick at 14 to one to lead the NFL in rushing this year. I think he could be the best value there. But the trigger man is Baker Mayfield. And last year, Baker Mayfield was off doing GQ interviews, progressive commercials, and, you know, dancing on social media. A couple weeks ago, we said, oh, maybe he's taking steps in leadership. We heard that he was turning down interview requests. We now hear that he's exhibiting great leadership. Coaching staff is liking what they are seeing in Baker. He's even going to other position group meetings, right? Trying to, you know, really plant his flag as the leader of this team. For me, Jared, this is just another data point, right? You talk about the data points adding up. This is another data point for me that the Browns are at least doing it in the right way, going in the right direction. And then if you look at the talent on this team, specifically on this offense, I really do believe the Browns, you know, could take a step forward this year. Last year, the hype went too far on the Browns. This year, I think the hate 
has gone too far on the Browns. They're going to be a team I'm very interested in on overs, on futures plays, and week by week. The hype and the hate. I love Both it. Both gone too far. Um, eight and a half is the win total. Um, I'm looking at the AFC odds, 17 to 1. The AFC North odds at almost 5 to 1. That's I definitely if Lamar think, Jackson tears his ACL, that's interesting. <laughs> I definitely agree with you that the talent on Cleveland's roster does not match the price. That is, there's no disputing that. And I believe in the coaching change. That, that is, I believe in the, the coaching gap. change. That's the gap. Now, to go back to Baker, um, he is kind of, you know, reassessing. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a quarter-life crisis. Listen, it's years how he goes about his business. Three of his career. I mean, the kid is still, what, 23, 24 years old? He gets that yeah. chance, doesn't he? He definitely does. Okay. And I'll say this about footwork. Footwork is way more important than people think for the quarterback yeah. position. Let's, let, let's go back to the uh, days of Jared playing high school football. Ah, ready for okay. a story? You ready for yes. a story? Sophomore year. So my freshman year was a rough year. I didn't play that much on the freshman team. There, we ran an option offense, and I didn't really uh, grasp it as much. And then I got to JV, and, and I, it was a throwing offense, and I grasped it right away, and I became the starter uh, on uh, sophomore year uh, in JV football. Wing it. So winging it. Swinging it and winging it. So <laughs> one of the perks of being the starting quarterback on the JV roster is you get to dress for every varsity game. You're the third-string quarterback. You hold the clipboard. Sure. You write the plays down. You stand sure. next to the offensive Chart coordinator. Out, yeah. yeah, and you're basically, you know, the yeah. the, the the kind of up-and-coming guy. Yeah, yeah I, w I knew I wasn't going to play, barring some crazy freak scenario where not only the starter but All the right. backup both got injured. I knew is I was there to learn. trajectory also? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was there to learn. So – my first day of varsity practice. So the way it worked, the JV team played on, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday. And then we had a walkthrough for varsity before the game on Friday. So as the JV kid, I got to go to the walk, the varsity walkthrough. It was so cool. Okay. And, you know, we didn't have a hard practice. It wasn't an intense practice. It was mostly going through the motions, walking through the routes, doing some basic drills. My first snap with varsity. Uh -huh. sophomore year, I was a bright-eyed freshman, so sophomore, I had no idea what was happening. I take the snap, and I hand the ball off, and I'm thinking, everything's fine, I go back and do it again. And my coach, the offensive coordinator, who's the varsity, uh, you know, yeah. quarterback coach, reamed me out. He's like, you're yeah. taking a false step. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm taking a false step? I'm handing the ball off. Who cares about a false step? He's like, no. When you drop back to pass, see, I'm a lefty, so I plant with my right ah. foot, and I go like this. But what I was doing, Dane, is I was dropping my right foot back instead of keeping it planted. Yeah. I was taking a yeah. false step. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't important. Who cares? I'm just footwork. Yeah. Footwork. They can take a snap work. on their center in like his entire college career. The devil is in the details, Dane. And there the, you foot, go. the footwork is important. And when I read this, I was like, it kind of brought me back to like these hmm. days of, you know, high school when I was getting yelled at for taking false steps under center. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? After a few weeks of doing it, I got more efficient at running because we had this like option offense where I'd have to pivot out sometimes and hand it off. And, it, and I got much more efficient at getting my steps down to a point where I was taking less steps to cover more ground. And Eventually, after a couple of weeks of this, I'm like, man, this coach is right. Like, my footwork was bad, and I needed to fix it. And when I read this, I was like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised 
if mm. Baker had a little more of an efficient season with better footwork. So look at these things that are happening in practice. They matter more than you think sometimes. And I'll tell you what, I'm a little more bullish on Baker Mayfield now than I was before reading this about his footwork. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, right, Jared? Um, and, and, and listen, so let me ask you, let me just press you on this because I do think it's interesting. You talk about the Browns as eight and a half win total. You gave out, um, I wouldn't wonder, um, what is their yes, no? I believe they're minus, no, I think they're plus money to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs, yeah, so which I mean, is the opposite of last year. Right, uh, so let me ask you, Jared, right now, eight and a half is their win total, right? Eight and a half is their win total. You mentioned their odds to win the division. Um, yes, no on the playoffs idea. Um, if Baker takes a huge step, I think there's crazy Baker odds to be MVP. What could I interest you in some of the alternate lines on the Cleveland Browns? If you are bullish on hey, the let's Browns, take a look at the odds. Yeah, how are you going to get ahead of this with the Cleveland Browns? They're plus one away to make the playoffs. That's one way to skin the cat above eight and a half or one of these alternate lines. If I asked you to make a futures bet on the Cleveland Browns right now, what kind of, you know, how would you play? The division, the conference, plus Baker. Plus money on the playoffs is nice. I, I, and I Miles Garrett, comeback player of the year. Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. And here's another thing to think about with Baker and the footwork. Footwork matters for running plays, too. If you get the ball back to the running back quicker yeah. and you, he gives an extra split second to make that read, it's important. And I'll tell you what, we talk about other teams' backfields. The Packers have one I think that can really overachieve. We're not talking much about Kareem Hunt and how yeah. good he was for many years, and now he's kind of going to get Listen. his first full crack at this Brown season. Obviously, yeah. you throw him in with Nick Chubb, and it, and it Chubb. just creates – yeah, it, it creates what I think is a much better situation in Cleveland than last year. And you're right. I think the coaching staff, you know, being a part of that matters. And now you add another playoff team in the AFC. You add it in the NFC, too. Uh, mm -hmm. The playoff numbers, yes, no. I'm already on the Chargers. Right. So I'll be hesitant to really unload on another fringe another playoff plus team. Money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... If I didn't have Chargers bet action out there, and the Chargers was significant, plus 175, I got a really good price on that. Yeah. Um, plus 108, not quite the same, but I definitely think there's a little bit of juice to them to make the postseason. Can I really I do. I you in this because, you know, you're, uh, you're into this footwork action. Baker Mayfield, regular. Oh, here's why I wouldn't. Here, actually, I wouldn't go over there. 38.99, excuse me, 38.99 and a half, just so you know, but it's 39. I, I do think, I do think the Browns are going to be, I, I think the best way to make Baker a better quarterback is to just give him less and to just take, just, I'm not so saying give running, him less. The running yeah, game, yeah, make, the pie, exactly. and if you think they're winning games, maybe they're parking the bus instead of playing catch up in the fourth quarter, so Good maybe point. less volume for Baker, but you do believe he might be more efficient and, you know, definitely someone to watch. I'm also going to tell you something else here, okay, because we do it all here, right, Jared? Um, you know, sports investing, but also fantasy talk. Jared, the man is going as ADP as quarterback 15 this year. So, like, I could wait. wait. Quarterback 15 or overall 15? No, quarterback 15. Oh, quarterback 15. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can make a case for him overachieving that. Well, you know, team, you've got to put the running game in with him. Like, he can he can run for some yeah. yards, too. And that's, all I'm saying is, you know how I talk about waiting on quarterback all the time, right? In a 12-team league, Jared, you can literally wait until every other team in the league has drafted a quarterback and Baker 
as someone still on the board, you pair him up with another quarterback who maybe is a little bit safer, who would still be available there. I don't know, a Stafford or Rivers or whatever, and take Baker if you believe in this progress, right? That could be a very viable way to get your quarterback position in fantasy this year. Baker, if you think he takes a step forward, is being drafted outside of the top 12 in leagues right now, you know? And yeah, there's a little bit of juice there. As a, as, a, as a fantasy diamond in the rough, potentially? There's a little bit of juice there. But again, I'm more interested in them. I'm more interested in them from the playoff perspective. Okay. I think if you really want to get aggressive, then yeah, you can sprinkle on them to win the North. I know you like that. Uh, I'll tell you what, over nine and a half wins. I like over nine and a half wins, plus 200. I could see a world where they're, they, if they're the six. next best team in the North and they're right. better than Pittsburgh. I can see them yeah. winning 10 games. That's an interesting one. There's some bets out there for, like, exact division position. And I'd be interested for the Cleveland Browns to finish second in the AFC North. I do think that they will outperform the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I'll give you the Ravens as obviously one of the best teams in all of football. And I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are there just yet. Well, uh, Jared, force majeure has been the word of the day, right? This idea... Yeah. It's just the prorating, right? We're seeing prorating of games in basketball, prorating of games in baseball, or how we figure that out. MLS came to a deal, Jared. And I know we only got a couple of minutes. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side of the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something that was very different from MLS and all these other sports, all these other sports are figuring out, like, band-aids right now in their transition transition and then, then they're going to figure out you know we've been talking about the nba and what it means for the future seasons and the next season and the next season and at some point you got to pull the ripcord right because i think you mentioned robin peter to pay paul mls was in a different boat okay they've only played like two games of their season all right but they had a collective bargaining agreement that was expiring anyway so what they did was they actually came up with a bigger agreement, and they now have labor peace, Jared. The players and the uh, union, union and the owners have agreed on a new CBA that lasts all the way until 2025. Okay, five years out, they got a new five-year deal, but it was not easy for them to get. I'll show you some of the details and how close they got to a literal lockout. There was a very brief small-scale work stoppage in MLS last week. We didn't I'll even know about it. tell you what happened, right? So the sausage was being made, but we weren't paying attention. We'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break. We've also got more rankings from our guy, the closer. So stay the right closer. there. Talk MLS details and the catcher position in fantasy baseball over maybe 48 games. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's in game live. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, everybody, to In Game Live right here on Sports Grid. Dane and Jared putting the fun in functional sports content. And we were talking about MLS, and you know, they're an example of labor negotiations as well. They have details, financial, logistically. Remember, they're going to do this tournament in Orlando. Apparently, the NBA is going to be in Orlando also. Apparently, MLS wants to go out first and start playing in late June. So, you know, Jared, maybe they will be the league. Right. That grabs the attention span uh, span of the sports fan, at least earlier on out the gate. But, you know, there are details coming out about this as well. We talk about the sausage being made. This was happening out there in broad daylight, but we just weren't paying attention, Jared. And I think it's interesting here because as I dug into it, they've agreed on a five percent player cut. All right, Jared. But in the back and forth proposals. One of them was as high as a 50% cut. That seems to be just as big of a gap as the idea of 114 or 48 games. You know what I mean? So that was out there as well. And it looked like MLS made a proposal. The uh, MLS Players Association made a proposal. Those were both non-starters. And they were in the same position like Major League Baseball. Well, Rob Manfred would just have to be like, all right, kids, you can't figure it out. I'm taking over. And Don Garber, the MLS commissioner, did kind of take over, but the clock was ticking the same way the clock was ticking in um, in Major League Baseball, Jared. And in fact, they had a deadline of a lockout. RSL, Real Salt Lake, stopped practicing and training to make a stance that they were going to not play in the lockout. And we were closer to it than anyone is imagining in baseball or in basketball. It's an interesting juxtaposition, Jared. Yeah, and the only reason why we didn't hear about it is because it's Major League Soccer and it's not going to get the same kind of attention uh, that a labor dispute has gotten in Major League Baseball. Uh, We did have Jillian Sakovitz, who works with the Atlanta United. Uh, She's a reporter on. We had her on uh, on TMA a couple weeks ago. We're going to bring her back. 
uh, later this month as we get closer to this resumption because I do think Major League Soccer in general is in a very unique position here. So I looked overall at the soccer uh, leagues that are coming back, and sure. we're very close to La Liga, Premier League. I'm watching a Bundesliga yeah. match right now. I've got Gladbach. Oh, how's Gladbach doing? Yeah, I need Gladbach on the money line. You saw my so tweet probably earlier. Minus uh, 135, baby. Yeah, I got him at 124, 125 earlier this week. It's it going matter. up to about 160. <laughs> a win's a win, brother. We get the win. That's all that matters. They're looking good early. They're looking dangerous early, uh, but no goals yet. It's only like the 15th minute, so it's still very early. But uh, it, what what my I, I think what it goes back to is where, where soccer is right now in this country, it, you, you do get a unique situation mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they might grab a little bit of the spotlight in oh, July. Great. And yeah, yeah, and and the women's uh, league as well is going to come back at the end of June in, in in ironically enough in Salt Lake City, which is where a lot of this uh, uh, you know dispute has been going back and forth because one of the big players on on Real Salt Lake's one of the uh, you know player commissioners for 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 the union yeah. there. Um, so I, I think overall, Major League Soccer is going to have a unique situation on their hands where I think they're going to be able to maybe take a slice of the pie, and we'll hear more about this as we get closer to fruition. But it was. Very eye-opening to see some of the the pay cut numbers that were being right? Yeah, because obviously the difference between 5% and 50% is a lot. And I'm glad they were able to get some financial relief. And I'm glad that they were able to come to the table and get this done because this is a very important uh, – I think this is a very important step in – seeing how how disputes and I know there's not as much money on the line with soccer as there is with baseball. Sure. You don't have to tell me that story, but I, I think it, it, it's proven that we absolutely can get to a reasonable conclusion based on on the results that that we have that can sometimes be a little bit shaky. Obviously the numbers were a little difficult here. Ooh. Gladback almost scored. They're looking dangerous, Dane. They're looking right, dangerous. That's good. That's good. Here's the quote from Garber also. This is the first time in the 25-year history of the league that we have ever gotten to this close of a point of the lockout. It's not something that I did with a lot of thought and without a lot of concern and understanding about the impact it would have. So he came in and said, this is the closest it's ever gotten, you know, to actually having a work stoppage in MLS. But they do have an agreement. We'll see how the details get worked out in all of these other sports. I want to turn our attention to baseball in a potential 48 game season a 50 game season we gotta ask you um our guy the closer has his you know has his ranking yeah let's check these out let me me pull these up here them and let's look at the catcher ranks and you know what's interesting to me i look at the very top and i have a question for you right away jared you know number one is jt real muto okay and i've been asking you about these nl players, you know, the NL third baseman with the advent potentially of the DH in the National League, no position stands to benefit it from more than potentially the catcher position, right? A guy like JT Real Muto can skip a day with the tools of ignorance on, still get the half day off, still be in that lineup, still contribute to your fantasy team. JT Real Muto is the closer's number one catcher. I think he's a guy who could even get a boost in overall rankings because you know he's going to be able to get that little dh relief i agree um i think real muto is a guy that i would really really like to see kind of rise up the ranks i'm not surprised maybe i'm a little surprised he's number one on this board uh i think his offense i I would obviously i'm biased but i would put gary as the top offensive catcher in baseball right now Mm -hmm. but again injury issues is a big one for him as well real muto's in an interesting spot Very interesting spot. Again, you're right about the days off. 
the DH I think stuff. that will benefit, and the DH stuff will, will will also benefit a lot of these catchers. And I think what it's going to do, for me at least, if, and I, I guess I will be drafting in your Major League Baseball Fantasy League at some point, hopefully, I will heavily weight catchers more because I think they're going to be DHing more than you think. Because I think teams are going to be a little bit balanced with the guys. I think there's going to be a lot of DHing of National League catchers. I really do. Yeah. So let's look at some other National League catchers then. Wilson Contreras on this list of the Cubs, right? A a 28-year-old. Wilson Ramos of the Mets. Will Smith of the Dodgers. Omar Navarez. uh, Carson Kelly. These are all guys in the top 10. Might you – and so do you think that that bump up, a little bump up is – uh, consistent, especially Will when Smith is an interesting name on this list. Go ahead, tell me more. Um, yeah, w- w- I mean, obviously his numbers last year weren't great, but I think the Dodgers are going to have the best lineup in baseball this ah. year. And run opportunities and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be an. And again, we're talking about catchers now that have not really been everyday guys because mm-hmm. they're not everyday guys. They're every other day. They're right. two out of three. You know. So I, I think overall you're going to see some uptick in production. First of all, the volume, but but also they're not going to be as concerned. And this goes back to the the point we made about the pitchers, the starting pitchers, yeah. knowing there's more bullets left in the tank. A catcher might, you know, not run out that that he might not leg out that double in right. in, in early April because he's like, you know what, I'll just take the single and we'll move on. I think the intensity, and that's why the, the a 48-game season is going to be so different yeah, than, than what we're used to seeing yeah. because the sprint in baseball is usually not as, in te- as intense. It's like a jog, you know, right. because, you know. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Exactly. That's so no now fact. you take that totally out of the equation. And, yes, you really are going to see some players giving. I'm not saying they're not giving their all before, yeah. but. There are occasions where, you know, a guy hits one into the gap. You know, we see all the time in Major League Baseball, Jared, where pitches are converted from a starter to a member of the bullpen. And then all of a sudden their velocity can go up three, four miles an hour, right? Because they're only they're only facing, you know, six hitters instead of three times through the lineup kind of thing, right? So the idea of putting max effort now sometimes we see it over a game. This time we're going to see it over a season. I find that very, very interesting. I told you I also think this matters with the relief pitchers. Closers are less likely to lose their job over a truncated season. I really think some of these young studs who had innings limits can now also go max effort in a different way. I think about Chris Paddock of the San Diego Padres, who I am going to be on in a big-time way. I want to ask you about some of these other catchers, though. One of the things we mentioned yesterday— that as I continue to think about it, I was like, oh, that's true. This season, there's so many kind of weird wrinkles. One of the real wrinkles is that we don't have April and May baseball and the weather that goes along with that for the entire season. And we talked about Minnesota yesterday. And the Minnesota catcher is right there as well. Mitch Garver, who was yeah, actually I had a great year last year, said was the number one catcher in fantasy baseball last year. Our closer Ventra has him here. It's number five. This is a power hitting catcher, right? For the power hitting Minnesota Twins, they get augmented. We mentioned Donaldson coming into that lineup, and this is a kid—well, not a kid, but he's kind of coming on, shall we say? Thirty-one homers already. How would you prorate this now, knowing that his entire season will be during the dog days of summer, Jared? I might. You know, it's it's funny that you say dog days of summer because I don't know. Even though physically 
will be feeling the heat like the dog days of the summer. The ball will travel. That's yeah, all that, that's true. That's a good point. I'm just but, talking about the ball traveling and, you know, 100% of his season is when is the ball be is traveling in, well, in as opposed to specifically Minnesota in April yeah, yeah, and May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Garver, I mean, you know, you, you look at this list. Uh, Garver, I would say, if you extrapolate these numbers out over the course of, let's say, Gary Sanchez is even, or, you know, J- JT Ramuto's 145 games. Yeah. I mean, he could arguably be the top of this list. I mean, he hit 31 homers in 90. He was the number one in average fantasy points, as uh, Ventress says here. So, yeah. I would have him higher on this list. I would put – if I were to reallocate this list, I would go – So, Sanchez, Garver. I'd go Sanchez, Real Muto, 1A, 1B. Okay. And then I'd have Garver Contreras 2A, 2B as my second tier. I'm not as high on Grandal. Actually, here's a funny story. Um, but yet another I, one of those Chicago White Sox right there. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And he gets the first base eligibility, which boosts him. That's why he's in the top five. But I, I watched Grandal. I actually called Grandal's games at Miami. I actually called a Yasmani Grandal home run at Alex okay. Rodriguez Park uh, against FAU uh, when when he was fa- when he was playing for the Hurricanes. So I, I I have a very strong connection with Grandal. I like his game a lot. Oh, Gladbach just scored and they ruled it back off size. Um, ah. Uh, in game live, in game live, baby. Um, I I really think I really think Grandal is on the other side of where he needs to be in terms of his production and and, and his really? productivity. I, I just I'm, there's a disconnect with him, and he's, he's hopped around won. a couple of teams. The rest of these top catchers are in their twenties, and he's also hopped around a few teams lately. Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get as much time behind the plate because. When you talk about the White Sox really young pitching staff, I think it's better off for them to have a catcher back there that to handle them. them a li- yeah, yeah, and I don't know if Grandal's that guy. That's always been the knock on him is he's not handled the staff as well. And you've got Kopech, you've got uh, the other pitcher that they got, uh, the, the other really young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gio the other Gio one. Lito. So it's very interesting. I, I would be, I would be a little hesitant to have Grandal as my everyday catcher. Let's keep it moving here. When we come back, we tie a nice little bow on this episode of In Game Live. We find out who in this list does Jared consider a diamond and a fugazi? Who should we forget about? All that and more. When we come back, we continue to shine a light on the catch position here with the closers rankings here on In Game Live. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, everybody. It is in-game live, wrapping up a Sunday, wrapping up a weekend here on SportsGrid. He is Jared. I am Dane. The real question, though, Jared, remains, how many options of, like, different styles did Herman offer you? Like, you know, I mean, how many – what did you say? I need I need a mullet. I need to just tighten this up. What I had a mullet. Like, ah, I can't do you that. You guys can't see because it's – I don't go behind. Like, but... He could do what you needed him to do. He was, first of all – he was like, like on top of it. Like I didn't even have to ask. He saw how I, cause I had my hair oh, done the way I normally do it. Like, I knew what yeah. Like. He already, knew. he's like, Oh, you like to play up the bangs. I was like, okay. Yeah. He's like, so let me see like short fade on the top. I'm like, you got it, brother. You, you got, got it, bro. It, bro. Absolutely. You and you can see it again. You know, Jared put it on his social media as well. There's Jared right there. I don't have this issue. I don't have this. No, no, no. You're not worried about the haircut right now. You're you're in good shape, brother. (laughs) I'm literally able to maintain my hair however I need to. All right. We were talking about the catcher position, right? And I wanted to hear from you. Listen, you know, we have some diamonds. You talked about the top of it there. Is there anybody that you see as a little bit of a diamond or Fugazi maybe in the bottom half of the top 10, someone we haven't really discussed just yet? I would say Darno if if he's healthy. Oh. You know, he was always a name that that I thought. And again, this is you know when you're looking at the Fugazi list at the bottom, the sleepers. You look at the teams, the the Marlins and the the Padres have a good lineup, but they play in a really weird stadium for for runs. Oakland's offense is always hit or miss. The Royals play Salvador Perez is great, but the Royals play in in arguably the biggest stadium in all of baseball. Seattle, Safeco is not an offensive park. Toronto's interesting, but I don't I don't know enough about Jansen and his average is low. I Darno, I mean, he played in 103 games last year, so I know he played for three different teams, so it's not exactly a consistent 100 games, but he played in 100 games, he slugged 16 homers, and again, this is a guy you're going to get really low on the list, and the Braves are an absolute powder keg on offense, so you throw his name into the middle or even the back end of that Braves lineup, there's going to be some ducks on the pond, as they say, so Darno intrigues me as a flyer. Again, this is a guy that's played in the World Series. He's had really good offensive seasons in the past. 
So he has the experience. He's playing in the division now. If they move Atlanta from the north or from the east uh, to the central, I think it gives them a little bit more flexibility. And again, the DH is going to help sleeper list as a guy I think could certainly give you 15, 20 homers and, you know, 65, 70 RBIs. If that is coming out of the back end of your draft, I'd say that's pretty good for the catcher spot. Yeah, that's fair enough. I will push back on you. I think there is another power bat in there that is far better, and it is Salvador Perez of yeah. the Kansas City Royals, okay? He's and you know, proven entity. Right. He's Absolutely. done a time in, year in, year out. Exactly, but the thing is, he wasn't there last year, okay, recovering from a major injury, but this is a guy who is known easily as one of the most powerful catchers in Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, in a full season, if you ask me for, you know, how many uh, would I pick to hit, say, over 30 home runs, he would be one of the ones I would definitely name. And he is coming back from injury. So if you're looking for cheap power, I personally would take Perez over a guy like Darno. But yes, they are both there. The last point I want to make on the catcher position, Jared, you know, we talk about 48 games, brother man. <laughs> Variance is there, right? And so I want to push you on this. A lot of times when kids come up, when rookies come up, they start hot. And yeah. then the league adjusts to Good them, point. right? And then the league adjusts to them. And the question is, can they then make the adjustment, right? But could it not be that in a span of only 48 games, one of these kids from high, one of these big-time prospects making the jump can do well? You know, Michael Jordan, right, was even hitting well. <laughs> His first 15 or 13 game hitting streak until they made adjustments. They started throwing those hooks. Exactly. And what I see right here, Sean Murphy of the A's, Francisco Mejia of the Padres are two guys that had big numbers at AAA last year, right? And maybe, maybe not in a sustained way over the marathon of 162 games, but I would be willing, if you're at this level of the draft, you know what I mean, Jared? If you're at this level of the draft anyway and you're needing a catcher, I would lean towards here with a guy like Mejia or Murphy where they could pop because yeah. you're drafting guys that are, you know, you're throwing stuff against the wall and seeing if it sticks anyway, right? You're looking for just basically replacement level value anyway. So when you put that there, I'd rather have a guy that could take a step forward, especially in a truncated season before the league adjusts to them. Do you buy that at that level of the draft down there in the sleepers? Keep an eye. And again, I, I do think Mejia's got, got some, got some pop. Yep. Keep an eye on though where Will Smith falls. And I'm not talking about getting jiggy with it. I'm talking about right. my guy on the Dodgers. First round pick, Louisville stud, College World Series stud. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy that is not has not been in the league very long. Uh, he played, I believe, in only yeah, 54 games last season. So his sample size also very low. Mejia being the rookie, obviously less uh run than 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 Smith, but I, I do think this Western division is going to be the Dodgers and nobody else. I mean, they're just so right. stacked. So I, I'm keeping a very close eye uh, on anyone in the middle of their lineup that's getting significant reps. So I, I'm, I'm with you on Mejia as a deep sleeper, but keep okay. a close eye on if Will Smith falls. Again, this is a name that not a lot of people, he's got one of those random names, or not one of the random, but a very common name, as I right. know. So sometimes he can slip under the radar a little bit. Keep an eye on this guy, Will Smith, because I think he's got all the talent in the world.
All right, fair enough. Definitely something to keep an eye on. So if you've been with us over the last few shows, over the last few weeks, we talked first baseman. We've talked second baseman, the shortstop, the third baseman yesterday. We finished going around the horn here in the infield talking about the catcher position today. You know, next week, here's what I propose, Jared. I think we could tackle either the outfielders or the pitchers, but either one of those is almost like two shows, right? Because there's yeah. you need three outfielders, so we're going to go deeper in the outfielders. We'll certainly go deeper with the starting and the relief pitchers, so we will tackle those as well next week. And we'll get out of here on this. We only got a few minutes left. You know, it's interesting, Jared. Um, we've been talking about the owners and the players. We've been talking about shifting power structures in this country and in this society a lot over the last few weeks and months. And, you know, I was, it was interesting to me that Michael Jordan, as the owner of the Charlotte, uh, of the Hornets, came out and, you know, had his statement. We've seen Derek Jeter, former player, now an owner in Major League Baseball. There's talk of A-Rod. Remember him and J-Lo? We're going to try and buy the Mets. You know, and we are seeing more and more of these players kind of become owners. But you brought to my attention, we were talking off air, that there's there's more coming down the pike and in even a different way, right? At least MJ is a basketball owner. Uh, yeah. Derek Jeter and A-Rod, they were looking to buy baseball teams, right? It's interesting. What we're also seeing here, you talked about MLS recently. We talked about the players and the owners there. And there's some MLS teams that it looks like there's prospective buyers that are NBA teams led by Kevin Durant, right? So KD is buying a stake in the union. And again, the details of it are still murky. Of the Philadelphia Union. Yes, the MLS. And it brought me to this kind of weird conclusion that, man, KD would be really dangerous as a goalie in the MLS, wouldn't he? I've mean, like, thought about this cross-sport stuff. Have I ever yeah. asked you about alien ball? No. Really? Oh. Never asked well, you know there were UFOs recently, right? And I've yes. always wondered, because you talk about him and how he would translate. If the aliens came down and they were like, our best versus your best in alien ball, and you had no idea what alien ball meant, what earthling would you put up to represent the human race? LeBron. Would it be LeBron? Yeah, it would. I wondered. You know, LeBron is definitely in contention, but we don't know what alien ball is. Yeah, what if see, it's, that, like, that, it's impossible to handicap something Michael if I've never heard of it. What about Michael Phelps if it's on well, water? Is there water involved? Yeah, is it a no, swimming event? Know. I mean, two-thirds of the Earth is covered by water, so it stands to reason, right? If some formal from another planet was thinking about it, maybe it'd be on water. I always thought like a good point, like a Cristiano Ronaldo type. Or uh, a Ninja Warrior yeah, even. Yeah, I think I – think, uh, Or like a Westbrook? Yeah, Ninja Warrior would be interesting. Right, uh, a Westbrook type? But What's okay, KD translates the toughest sport to handicap. I would probably say the NFL. So maybe, you know, the bet because I think we also like it. Wait, I, I think I have to clarify one other thing is like the, the future of the human race on the line with this yes. mess. Oh, yes. Boy, so that changes things. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, so, and would it be LeBron? I don't know. It I would think be it Westbrook. Like he would, he would crack under the pressure. Interesting. Uh, I would say LeBron. Here's your homework. I don't need a top five list for next week. Okay. Our top five contenders in alien ball for the balance of the human race. But it was started because we talked about like LeBron had a contract to play tight end, right? And you mentioned KD as a goalie. I've also I've always thought like, why is Usain Bolt 
not like a wide receiver or something. You know what I mean? Or So yes, KD would be a good lanky goalie. Yes. But it looks like he's trying to not be on the field, but be in the front office. No. And, and, and so here's the reason why I wanted to bring this up. I think, I think overall, this is going to change the future of sports because the athletes today are richer than they ever were in the past. And I think we're already seeing it with the Mets. A-Rod, I think, is going to buy the Mets. And I think it's going to change not only the structure of the Mets, but also the structure of SNY. And I think these athletes now, we're entering a generation that the retired, the recently retired athletes are richer than ever before. And it's only going to keep going up and up and up as we keep increasing these TV deals. We're going to enter a universe, I think, in the near future where the majority of teams might be owned by athletes within the next 20 or 30 years. I'm not even kidding. Because think about it. Who cares more about these teams than the athletes and i think the the owners started becoming coaches then general managers right now into the ownership box and now the owners are now becoming more disenfranchised to these fan bases because they're seeing just how difficult it is to keep the fan bases happy and how much money they have to actually invest whereas the owners for the most part the family-run teams are becoming less and less. The Steinbrenners, yeah. there's fewer of those right. where the teams are and so attached. The NFL, right? The Roonies, the Maras. That's, that's it. Yeah, three. Roonies and Maras is really yeah. it. The Browns and the Allen family as yeah. well. But I think overall, the teams are less connected to the owners as the players are. So yeah. the owners v- view them as businesses. And if they don't make as much money, they become less, you know, less uh, attractive as a business investment. Whereas the players still have that connection to the teams. So I I think this is the first of a growing trend of former players, former prominent players, you got to be rich, uh, to to start to dip their toe into the business and the ownership world. And I would not be surprised uh, if KD and also A-Rod, we're going to hear about that, I think, in the few months uh, once the baseball disaster settles itself down, uh, of former prominent players – really becoming prominent to the ownership world. And I think it's something to keep an eye on uh, as we move forward into this post-COVID world of sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a lot of reasons, Jared, the times they are changing and the revolution will be televised and will be on TV to cover it. By the way, I've got the answer. DK Metcalf is my nominee for Alien Ball. Is he going to be playing without his shirt? I'm telling you, if he is, I will take it. Maybe, maybe Amanda Nunes, who we discussed recently, but that's your homework. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a female alien that that's, we have to. Go that's up your with. homework. We'll talk about that and all the changes in the sports world next and weekend. Everything. Uh, I hope you gave Herman a good tip. That's what I want to know. Well, well, the tip was the donation. Out. Forty bones, baby. I'll take it. It's another edition here. We know now what Jared's tip unit is. At least it's another edition of In Game Live. We'll see you next weekend. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.